I'm going to do something different today that I used to do a lot of when I was in ministry. And I was just thinking about what did I want to share, what I want to talk about today. And I, I got this inspiration and scripture. And so it used to be when I was back in ministry, you know, officially, which I still am. We still have a church, still have a nonprofit ministry that we're running that is in transition, but it's still very much alive and legit. And I'm still involved in it, but it's evolving. And we'll talk about that. It's funny because the message I want to give today is about evolving. So I want to, so, so when I would do Sunday morning messages, oftentimes I would even prepare a teaching or something. And then I would wake up in the morning and first thing in the morning, I would get this inspiration, what we called back in Pentecost by the Holy Ghost. What I would say today is spirit, source, God, higher consciousness, whatever you want to, inspiration, inspirited, being inspirited. But what would happen is I would get uh, an inspiration, a thought, and then a passage that would connect with it. And then I would just go in and start talking. And oftentimes I would I would come in, I would forget what I was going to preach, and then I, w- I would just speak whatever was coming to mind. And we would call that prophetic. And so I want to give a similar frame to this today and that I want to say that I really genuinely, genuinely believe that source dropped something into my spirit, the spirit of God, whatever you want to call it, dropped something, gave me something this morning that I think is going to be very valuable for some of you. And I genuinely believe that it, it's going to speak to some of you about in a way that can really shift something and that you can see something that can really help you shift. And so I'm, I'm calling this, you know, thing that I'm doing this morning, getting unstuck. And it's not so much the how to as much as it, I want it to be an, an inspiration and an invitation for you to get unstuck. So Jaren's saying that you can hear and see me just fine. So Derek says I'm still alive. So I'm good. So I am going to use scripture this morning. I am going to use a Bible study, or not Bible study. I'm going to use uh, scripture this morning to illustrate this point because I love how it does it. And um, Genesis 12, it feels like we're in church, doesn't it? Genesis 12, Abram, uh, verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Abram, who later becomes Abraham, for those of you that don't know, the founder of the Abrahamic faiths, which, by the way, Derek, when I was looking at this this morning, I'm talking to Derek Day. This goes back to something we talked about Friday night. He, you're right. Abram does do that shit with Sarah twice. Um, anyway, once you guys have to go back and watch that. That's a, that's a, to make you wonder what we talked about. Go back and watch it. So the Lord says to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. Get out. Get, get away from your country. Get away from your house. Get away from your father's house. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's pretty heavy duty, man. Uh, get, leave everything behind. Leave, leave your family, leave your home, leave everything behind, 
Go to the place that I'll show you, and I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will expand who you are. I want you to see that. In, in ancient cultures, the name wasn't just a label by which you were called. It was, it was the representation of your full essence. So to know the name of something or to use the name of something, for example, to use the name of a god, was to use the essence and the power of that God to effect change in the physical world. So to take the Lord's name in vain had nothing to do with saying, God damn it. It had everything to do with invoking the name of Yahweh to bring forth the essence of Yahweh to bring about a change in the physical dimensions. That's what was believed. So when God says here to Abram, I'm going to make your name great, he's saying I'm going to expand your essence. I'm going to expand your nature. Your essence of who you are is going to become greater, and I will bless you. But you got to get away from all this other stuff. And then he says, but here's the thing. Verse 4, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old, and he departed from Haran, when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions. Notice he says, get away from your family. Come out from all that stuff. But he takes Lot with him. Of course, he takes Sarah with him, too. But he takes Lot with him, and he takes possession, uh, all these possessions. And they do all this, like, traveling. They go down to Beth, a place called Bethel. Abram built an altar there. He has an encounter with spirit, source, God, the Lord in the text. And then they go down into Egypt and stuff happens there. And then you get to this really interesting part in, <laughs> in the next chapter where it says, chapter 13, verse 1, Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him. And they sent him away, I'm sorry, let me start over. <laughs> then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. And as he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also went with Abram and had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able, this is the point, now the land was not able to support them. <laughs> the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock, the Canaanites and the parasites, the parasites. <laughs> Then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right, or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the plain of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord. Verse 11, then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. And Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent as far as Sodom. 
But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward. For all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could count the dust, he could count your descendants. Arise and walk in the land through its length, its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and went there and dwelt by the terebinth trees, etc. Okay, and as we used to say, may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Gosh, taking me back. But this, I, I think this is such a powerful principle. Such a powerful principle for us in our lives. That I, I want to talk about getting unstuck, or I want to talk about being, uh, being ready to let go of what no longer serves you. That as we are progressing through life, if we want our essence to expand, if we want to have an impact, that impacts the world not only for ourselves and our immediate surroundings, but something that's going to last, something that's going to be a legacy, leave something after we have gone, or if our goal is simply to fulfill our purpose. Now, there are some things that I still wholeheartedly believe in. Uh, I wholeheartedly believe in God still. I know a lot of people have deconstructed. They don't. I do. I wholeheartedly believe in the interaction between the natural and the supernatural world. I completely believe that we have a divine spark within us, a divine essence that is within us, something that originates with the creator and with the source. And I do believe that that spark and part of us and that our essence is absolutely eternal. And when I say absolutely eternal, I don't just mean eternal from now going forward into eternity. I mean from now going backward into eternity past. I believe that there is a part of us that always was, that always was divine, always existed. And I do believe that we have had journeys previous to this one, that we may have incarnated on this planet uh, before this life, or we may have incarnated in some other type of existence that we may not even have a frame of reference for in our current state. So I believe that. I believe that we came with a sole purpose. <laughs> with a sole purpose. Not a single singular purpose, but a purpose that is written and etched into our soul. That is vibrating in our soul and vibrating from within us that is yearning to find expression. Now, maybe not everybody feels that way, but I've always felt that way. I've always believed that. And so through all the deconstruction, through all the changing of belief systems and morphing and things that I've gone through, I still hold on to a few of those foundational things. And for me, those are foundational things. I believe in the supernatural. I believe in psychic gifting and miracles and power and signs and wonders and that kind of stuff. And I still see and experience those things. I believe in synchronicities. I believe that there's something greater than us interested and involved in our lives that is, that is pulling us into the future, that is pulling us into some kind of a great thing. So this story about Abram really speaks to me, right? Because uh, God taps Abram on the shoulder. Now watch this. Let's let's forget about Abram being a historical person and let's forget about the literal interpretation. And let's just look at it this way. Let's look at, as Neville Goddard would say, the Bible shows us various states of consciousness and things that we pass through. 
So let's look at Abram as the father, the originator, the source within us. <laughs> the source within us. That gets drawn <laughs> by the source that is greater than us. Or you could say it this way. Abram represents the God particle, uh, the, the, the divine essence of who we are. And the Lord speaking to him is that pull, that mess, and the divine that is greater than us, that is pulling us or inviting us into our individual life's journey. Last week I talked about, I talked about the tarot and I talked about the fool being that divine spark and that divine essence. And in the fool card, he's getting ready to walk off of the cliff in full trust. <laughs> uh, and and start his and, and what I said was that is the beginning of his incarnation, the beginning of his life's journey right here. Right. So that's what Abram, that's the, the consciousness that Abram represents. And then this magnetism towards, if you will, the divine in you resonating with a divine that is uh, not other than you, but. encompasses you but is greater than you i think you get what i'm trying to say hopefully or that part there, there's some kind of a resonance or a vibration that says uh i need to leave my current state of being i need to leave my current circumstances i need to leave my current situation and so he starts out leaving his situation and sometimes we can't get on sometimes we get stuck or we stay stuck or we are stuck because we're afraid of the journey. We, we don't have enough faith in the journey. We don't have enough confidence in the journey. Or we have not cultivated enough of an inward life that we even recognize the resonances of our own souls. And we are constantly looking outside of ourselves to understand what to believe and what to think and what to have validated and how to act and how to be in this world or in this life. Perfectly understandable. But there comes a point for some of us where we have cultivated enough or the universe interrupts, God interrupts, however you want to see it, but we, we know it's time to begin a journey. And and sometimes you just have to start. You don't have to know where you're going. You don't have to have the full blueprint. In fact, seldom will you. Sometimes you just have to take that first step, like the full card. Sometimes you just have to take that first step off the cliff and see what happens and go forward in trust that there are good things ahead of you. Sometimes you have to get out of your comfort zone to get into your blessing zone. Abram, leave where you're comfortable. Leave your father's house. Leave uh, your family. Leave what you're comfortable and familiar with and journey into a place that I will yet show you. I'm going to tell you something. It is so much easier to make a success from a place of... Uh, I'm sorry, let me slow down. So much easier to make a decision from a place of want and lack and poverty than it is to make a decision from a place of abundance. Because when we were just totally living in lack and want and how are we going to pay our bills, like the decisions were easy because, well, I take this job or I don't pay my bills. <laughs> We take this house because it's the only one we can afford. We buy this car because it's the only one we can afford. Our decisions are binary. But when you have your different stage of life and you have a little bit extra, now let's say you can buy any car you want to and you can afford the price range of a new car. Well, now you can buy any car you want, you know, that 
the average person drives, let's say, or even, you know, sports cars or whatever. You can buy any car you want. Well, now you got to narrow down. Now you got tons of decisions, right? And so sometimes life is like that. Sometimes it's not this binary choice. Either I, why sit here till I die? <laughs> I got to get up and do something. But sometimes it's like I've got so many pathways and so many different things before me that I can do and ways that I can go and timelines that I can start for myself by my decisions that I just don't know what to do, right? That I just don't know what to do. And so that can also like leave you in this stuck space. And so what I always used to think was it's easier to drive a car. You you can't drive a car that's in park. I mean, anytime you get in a car and leave, you can go anywhere in the United States, pretty much. There is a route to get you anywhere you want to go. So you got lots of choices. But as long as your car is parked, you aren't going to be able to make any moves. You're not going to be able to steer the car. But if you steer the car in the wrong direction and you end up where you don't want to go, as long as your car is moving, you can turn around, you can change direction, you can adjust, you can say, oh, this isn't what I wanted, I want to do something else. Um, but as long as you're in park, as long as you're stuck in your familiarity and your comfort zone, and so sometimes that fear of the unknown, that fear that I don't know where I'm going, <laughs> that I don't know what the future is going to look like, I don't know what the land is going to look like, prevents me from moving out of the familiar and out of the comfortable into that place where my essence can be expanded and become great and and where I can experience blessing. Now, I would suggest to you that we tend to look at purpose from an external perspective only. If we feel like we have a purpose, if we're asking the question, what is my purpose? What's the future holding for me? We have a tendency to think about it circumstantially only. We have a tendency to think about it in terms of jobs and families and impact and social media and whatever the case may be. For me, when I got started, it was ministry. I wanted to be a minister. I wanted to preach the gospel. I wanted to have people that I could go to and all that stuff. And they would listen to me. <laughs> I want to have a church. But the real expansion is the expansion that happens within as you engage those things. As you engage those things, the expansion that happens within you is always greater than the expansion that happens around you. That by engaging those things, you are growing as a person. Your name, as it said in the passage we read, is becoming great. So that's the first step to getting unstuck. And sometimes you just have to move. You don't know what to do, but sometimes you just have to do something. Break out of the familiar, that kind of stuff. But in our journey, we will take stuff with us that serves us for a season. There are people and relationships in your life that will serve you and you will serve them for a season. You will serve each other for a season. There are beliefs and ideologies, there are ways of thinking, there are opinions, there are, uh, like I said, ideologies, philosophies, beliefs, perceptions. And this is what I really want to get into for the rest of this time. There are perceptions that will serve you for a season. So Lot, Abram takes Lot with him, and it seems like everything's going pretty good. Things are good for Lot, things are good for Abram, everything's going great, everybody's expanding. And then they get to the place where they had been before. (laughs) 
there's a cycle here, but I don't want to go into that part of it. They get to Bethel. They get to the place where they've been before. And they had increased so much through their journey. They had grown so much through their journey. They had experienced so much abundance through their journey that they no longer could dwell together in unity or harmony or peace. They could no longer dwell together in unity, harmony, or peace. There was strife that was rising between them and between their herdsmen. And so Abram says, we can no longer abide together in peace. So Lot, you pick part of the land. There's tons of land here. You pick one side. I will take the other side. It was time to separate. So see, God tells Abram at the beginning, get out from where you are, get out from your father's house, get out from your family, and he takes his cousin Lot with him. And that's okay. It's, that's okay. He, he took with him what he needed to serve him for part, for the part of the journey that would bring him to the place that Lot and the relationship with Lot and the association with Lot was no longer working for either one of them. It was no longer working for Abram, and it was no longer working for Lot. It was, in other words, Lot can represent relationships that no longer serve you. And this is where it gets tricky, because uh, if it's family especially, or if it's someone that you've been friends with for a really long time, it can get really sticky, right? So Lot can represent that. But here's the other thing that's interesting. Lot's name means a veil or a covering. And remember, I said, according to Neville Goddard, all these Bible stories and characters represent states of consciousness that we pass through. So while Lot can be his family, Lot can also be what's familiar to him. Lot also represents a state of consciousness that is hidden or that is sub conscious, or that is outside of the realm of awareness, that is a pattern of thinking and feeling that keeps us spiraling at the same level of limitation, that keeps us spiraling at the same level of, I said it, limitation, spiraling at the same level of greatness, spiraling at the same level of beliefs, revolving around, watch this, revolving around the same conceptualization and perception of the divine presence, dogma, belief systems. That Lot, while he represents a relationship outside of Abram, he, he, on a deeper level, represents a relationship that Abram has with himself that is a veil or a covering that prevents Abram from entering into the fullness of who he can become and entering into the fullness of what he can have. So, when we talk about letting go of things that no longer serve you. In other words, for some of you, I believe truly this is a now, sort of a now 
inspirational word for you that you needed to hear, that somehow it's a synchronicity for you, that it's going to trigger change in you. I really believe that, that hopefully this is going across without getting too messed up. And I really believe that this can trigger something in you that can help you get unstuck, that uh, can help you get out of circumstances and situations that you've been spiraling in. And here's why it's a spiral, because Abram and Lot leave the earth, or leave Haran, Haran. They settle in this place between Bethel and Ai. Then there's a famine in the land, so they move down into Egypt. Then when they come back out of Egypt after the famine, they settle in the same place. So there's a circle, there's a spiral that's there, right? But it's no longer serving. And this is what's so hard for us. And this is where our mental attachments and our mental hangups, this is where almost every stuck place is within us in a hidden and uncovered place because we refuse to change our mind about something. The number one thing that keeps us stuck is we refuse to change our mind. We refuse to change our Beliefs because we are so identified. See, it's it's one thing to be identified with something outside of you, like a relationship with family. And it's hard to let go of those family relationships because they're family, because they're blood, because we did life together, because we've known each other since we were kids, because you're not supposed to, because they love me and I love them. But see... Everything I just said is not just a reality in your experience, perhaps. Everything I just said is a reality in a belief system. Well, I can't walk away from it because they are family. That's a belief. That's a reason. I cannot walk away from them because they're my blood and blood is important. That's a reason, probably given to you by society or your family or whatever, but that's a reason. I cannot walk away from them because we've been friends or we've been in each other's lives for, you know, 27 years, 45 years, 50 years, whatever it is. I cannot uh, leave them because this is all I've ever known. Uh, because we love each other. That's a reason. Because I love them and because they love me. That's a reason. It's reasoning. It's reasonings. It's mindsets. It's it's attachments to opinions and ideas and ideologies. See, it's one thing to be attached to something out here, but it's a whole different level of detachment, a whole different level. We can talk about detaching from my identity with stuff out here, but it's a whole different level of detachment when I begin to detach from the identity that I know in here, from the, the reasonings and the opinions and the belief systems and the way of thinking and feeling that has made up who I am and how I express myself in this world. And it is that very patterning of who I am and how I think and how I express myself in this world that keeps me tethered to a center point that causes me to spiral through various different circumstances of my life, repeating the same patterns over and over again. And some people are so deeply unconscious and so deeply unaware that they genuinely believe that life is just doing this to them. Or they they believe sort of that karma is doing this to them. Now, karma, in my world anyway, simply means cause. 
And we think the cause is out here. The cause is the way you are attached to your own beliefs about who you are. The way you are attached to your own opinions, your own way of thinking and believing about stuff. That's where the real detachment seems, needs to take place, and that's where very few people do the work. See, if, if it's just a toxic friendship or a toxic relationship, you got into that friendship. Let me, let me say it like this way. Sometimes we settle for less than what we should because we don't believe we're worthy of it. Sometimes we can be so lonely and so desperate for friendships that we go along with the first person that comes along in our life. Some people got married because they didn't think they knew when they got married they were marrying beneath themselves or uh, beneath yourself is not what I mean. Um, that, that sounds degrading and condescending. I didn't mean it like that. Um, what I'm trying to say here is they married beneath. They married someone that was below the expression of who they were. In other words, not the right match, because we didn't have enough in common, we didn't like each other enough, whatever the case may be, but this is the best I can get. See, that was a belief, that was a belief pattern that was driving that. So if you're, if you're with friends or whatever, because, or in relationships, because you, you think that's all you deserve, you can walk away, you, you can break that attachment, you can get unstuck and detach from that relationship, but you're going to end up in another relationship that's just like it and have to detach from that again. You can leave a job because they're not treating you right. You're not getting paid enough. Whatever. But maybe you took that job because you believed that was the best you could get at the time. Or you took it out being driven by some need. And if you don't do the inner work, you're going to create the same situation again. So see, you can keep, you can keep going with something that serves you for a season and then drop it, but if you don't do the real inner work, you're just gonna keep repeating the same pattern. Does that make sense to you? And let me step back from this just a minute and say, it's okay, like, I, like if you need permission, I'm giving you permission. <laughs> It is okay to let go of what no longer serves you. If a relationship is no longer serving you, it's okay to walk away. If a job is no longer serving you, it's okay to walk away. If a circumstance is no longer serving you, it's okay to walk away. If it, but, but here's, here's the other problem. If an opinion or a belief system or an ideology or an affiliation related to those things, no longer serves you, it's okay to walk away from what was manifested outside of you during that season of belief. It is okay to let go of it and to walk away from it so that you can walk into what the new thing can become with something that will serve you at the next level of your life. And it's okay that you are, that you were where you were, and that you had what you had, because it was serving you. And you can honor it. You don't have to hate it. You don't have to look at all the negativity around it. You don't have to be bitter about it. 
can still honor it and integrate it into your life. But then it's okay to let it go and move into something else and to do it guilt-free. To do it guilt-free. See, everything is for a season. Everything serves you for a season. But you get stuck when you try to stay with what served you for a season but isn't going to serve you in the next season. And that could be a relationship, job, circumstance, and mindsets. Mindsets and beliefs. See, it's interesting how loyal we think we have to be to an opinion. How loyal we think we have to be to a decision and direction that we took. Because we don't want to be wrong or we don't want to, we don't want other people to be right. Other people tried to warn us this wasn't the right choice and we don't want them to be right. Screw them. <laughs> Quit worrying about their opinions. I'm not, I'm not meaning the person. I'm saying the person you allow to infect your mind. Do you realize everyone has two relationships with one person? Everyone has two relationships with one person. You have the relationship on the physical plane, when you're spending time with that person and talking to that person and sharing life with that person on the physical plane, and then you have a relationship on the mental and emotional plane, <laughs> and that is the person that's in your head. There are so many... Oh, I'm talking to somebody right now. <laughs> I'm talking to somebody right now. There are so many people who leave home on the physical plane they leave their home, they leave their family, they leave their mom and dad on the physical plane. But they never leave mommy and daddy on the mental plane. <laughs> they, they leave home physically. They grow up physically and they leave home physically. But they still have a mom and dad inside their head. They still have a relationship, an image, a voice, a belief system, a philosophy, a morality, a doctrine, a doctrine that you have from your household that is in your head. So you are relating on a mental plane, not a physical plane. So you grew up and left home physically, but you never grew up fully and left home fully mentally and emotionally. You never integrated your particular unique vibration and voice. And because to let go of your training and to let go of your indoctrination is to leave or change or adapt or, or reconfigure the relationship that you have with your parents, with your friends, with your pastor, with whoever it may be, reconfiguring that relationship on the mental plane, that's the issue. People leave churches like prophetic, prophetic people operate on the mental, on the mental plane mostly. Very few prophetic people I ever met could even tap into the spiritual plane, the real spiritual plane. Some could, but very few could. Most operated on the mental plane. Listen, if you have a relationship with an apostle, a bishop, a pastor, and you leave the church in name only, Location only. You remove, you, 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 you deal with, see, we deal with the physical relationship. We take our physical bodies away. We no longer share time and space in that church. We no longer share time and space in that Bible study. We no longer share time and space with that person. We no longer affiliate with them or call them our bishop or our prophet or our apostle or whatever kind of stuff that we did. 
But if we don't deal with that relationship on the mental plane, they will still infect us and affect us. If they were prophetic on the mental plane, they will pick up and know what's going on with you in your life, and they will tell you what's going on with you in your life, because you're still in relationship with them on the mental plane. Because nobody ever told you you had to break that relationship on the mental plane. Nobody ever told you that you had at least two relationships with everybody, a physical relationship and a mental, emotional relationship. You have a relationship out here and you have one in your brain, one in your head. You have a way that you see that person. You have a way that you feel about that person. Every person in your life, you have a way that you see them. You have a way that you feel about them. When you get offended... Being offended at somebody never happens on the physical dimension only. It happens on the mental level. Something happens that changes the relationship that you have with the person in your brain. <laughs> Do you get it? I feel really good about you. I love you. We're, we're in sync. We're together. And then you share an opinion on Facebook. That goes cross-grained to everything I deeply hold or believe. Or you stand me up for dinner for the fifth time. Or I find out you're talking about me behind my back. Now something's happened in here and my relationship with you has been affected in here. So now I no longer perceive you the same way. Now I no longer feel about you the same way. But you're the same person. You're the same person you always were. The only thing that happened was something changed on the mental plane. So that all attachments, when it comes to letting go of what does not serve you, and it comes to letting go of what you are stuck in, all of it is happening within you. It is, it is, it is shedding parts of you that you identify, that you hold on to, that are completely internal and exist in the mental realm, because that's where real change has to take place. That's where real change, that's where real growth, real expansion. So God says to Abram, I will bless you and I will make your name great. I'm going to take your essence and I'm going to expand it. But in order to expand it, you have to get out and away from all these things. But not just physically, you've got to do it here. So he brings Lot with him. So Lot isn't so much a cousin going with Abram. It's representing the fact that Abram left circumstances, but he brought the internal imprints subconsciously because Lot's name means covering and that which is hidden. So he's bringing the subconscious, he's bringing the mental and emotional patterning of his household and of his family and of his environment with him. So Lot represents that which you bring with you internally from what you experienced externally that is hidden and uncovered. And God says, watch this, leave all this stuff and I will take you to a land that I will show you. A land that I will show you. That I will reveal to you. So, he's leaving not knowing where he's going. When does God in the story, when does God finally show Abram the land that he was meant to inherit? Not until Lot departs from him. The moment Lot departs from him, he begins to see the future. That God had promised him. The moment the veil departed from him. The moment we make it okay to leave home. Or a relationship. Or a belief system. 
or a God form or perception of the divine reality that we had before. See, I feel, I feel loyal to that perception of Jesus that I had. See, your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with God, your relationship with Source, all of that is on the mental plane. All of it's on the mental plane. So it's impacted by messages that you heard and scriptures that you read and songs that you sang. What different people told you. How do you know who's right and who's wrong? Because it's all mental. Right? Like, give your life to Jesus. Give your heart to Jesus. Invite Jesus into your heart. Invite Jesus into your life. It's all a mental game. It's all a mental game. So I'm inviting a mental Jesus. I'm connecting with a mental Jesus. But it could be the same thing with anything else. What do you think channeling is? What do you think a channeled work is? A channeled work is someone who's channeling is simply someone who is connecting with something on the mental plane. And then creating a perception so they're affecting you on the mental plane. And so then we become devoted. We build altars. See, here's the issue. (laughs) Abram built an altar at, between Bethel and Ai. What's an altar? An altar internally is an anchor. It's, it's, it's a, I'm dedicated to this belief. I'm dedicated to this God form. I feel loyalty to Jesus. I feel loyalty to being a Baptist or charismatic or Pentecostal or I feel loyalty to, uh, uh, an alien species that connected me on the, with me on the mental realm or I feel loyal to whatever. Whatever kind of spiritual thing, I feel loyal to this spiritual teaching because it changed my life. I was such a mess before I came into the spiritual teaching, and now I feel loyal to this spiritual teaching. This must be it. This must be the right way. But then it dries up. The book dries up. The other biblical example I got today was was Elijah. Elijah goes before King Ahab, and he says, he says, uh, it's not going to rain. There's going to be famine in the land until my word, you know, for three years, whatever, until my word. And it says he went to the book, the brook. And the ravens fed him until the brook dried up. And then God said, this widow woman, go to Zarephath, go to, go to a Gentile stranger, go to someone who worships something totally different and other than you because she's got a bread of cake that's going to provide for you. See, when you take it literally, then the only way we preach these messages or the only way we think about these messages is when it comes to physical Provision, right? When your physical provision runs out, then then God may provide a widow for you. But I want you to look at it spiritually. That that Elijah was being spiritually fed and nourished by the this brook and by the ravens. But once it dried up, like spiritually dried up and dried out, then God says, "Okay, it's time to leave this place and go to this." Gentile woman, and she is going to provide for you. Ask her to feed you a cake. Feed me first. See? He didn't go in there with the attitude, i got to convert you. i got to tell you exactly how it is. This is what I see a mistake that atheists make on the religious trauma recovery page. Because they're just as evangelistic and just as self-righteous and just as right about their atheism as I'm sure they were. When they were evangelicals. So all they did was change costumes. All they did was change philosophies and belief systems. But their essence was left untouched. 
So Elijah goes and he doesn't say, hey, woman, I'm a man of God. Let me tell you about Yahweh. Let me tell you about what I believe. Let me tell you about the latest revelation I got. Let me tell you about this insight that I have. Let me tell you about how great that brook was over there. Come on, let's go to the brook. No. He says, you give what is in your house. What is in your house? And you make me something to eat. First. You feed me first. I don't know if you're getting the spiritual implications to that. So all this to say, it's time for some of us to move on. And in order for us to move on, we have to be purged. And in order for us to be purged, we have to give ourselves permission to let go of what no longer is, what is no longer serving us. What is no longer providing for us. Where the brook is no longer flowing. And that may mean letting go of former beliefs and God forms on the mental plane. In other words, perceptions about Jesus and who Jesus was and my loyalty to Jesus. I gave my heart to Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus. I created this mental relationship that's going on. But my brook has dried up and now it's time for me to go to the widow at Zarephath, I think is where she was. It's time for me to go to Zarephath. And you know what? It's okay. See, we have a tendency to look back. Yes, but it served me. I mean, I was on drugs. I was, I wasn't, I, I came to Jesus through a drug problem. My mom drugged me to church on Sundays. She drugged me to Bible studies. She drugged me to vacation Bible school. She drugged me to youth camp and, and all that stuff. But you may look back on that and say, I was rejected. I was hurt. I was heartbroken. I was on drugs. I was whatever. And that served me for a season. Don't hate on that, man. Love that part of you. Love that part of your life. Be reconciled with that part of your life. Bring with you what serves you still. It's okay that Abram brought Lot with him. If Lot is serving you, bring Lot with you on the journey. Until it's time that it no longer serves you. See, here's the problem, and i got to come back to this. I'm glad I remembered Abram built an altar between Bethel and Ai. (coughs) And he returns with Lot to that altar. So sometimes we build altars of devotion that keep us stuck. Your altar of devotion might be to your family, the way your mom and dad raised you, the the morality system that they gave you, whatever. That may be an altar, an anchor of devotion. Your altar may be to a spiritual experience where you gave Jesus your life, where you had the baptism of the Holy Spirit or some other experience. Your altar may be to a relationship. Your altar may be to a job. Your altar may be to an ideology or a belief system that you once held. But in order to get unstuck, you got to come back to the altar. you got to come back to that place of devotion. And the way to disconnect is to say... I was devoted to that, and it served me for a season. And so you leave with gratefulness. You leave with gratefulness. I was devoted to that, and it served me in that season. And I come back to this altar, and it's at this altar where I'm going to make the separation. It's at this altar where I'm going to let this belief system go over here, and I'm going to journey over here. And the moment you do that, Your eyes will open to new territories. See, God said, I'll I'll take you to a land that I will show you. When he lets Lot depart from him, 
he then is able to see this is the land. The height, the length, you know, look to the east, look to the north, look to the south, look to the west. All of this I will give you. Go walk the land. So here's what I want to tell you. When you're in these seasons of purging, when you're in these seasons of letting go of what no longer serves you, it's not easy. You don't go, you notice Lot took the best land, the well-watered land, the green pastures. <clears throat> when you go through this process, when you go through this process, you're going through the barren land. You're going to the barren place. You're going to the place where you're decreasing, not increasing. <laughs> You're going to the place of barrenness on the inside, too, where you might feel empty, <clears throat> might feel confused, you might feel bewildered, <clears throat> but it's a place of transition. In other words, it's letting go of the old and embracing the new, but realizing the new doesn't show up from Amazon on Monday. It's letting go of the old and embracing the new, but realizing the new doesn't show up on your doorstep from Amazon tomorrow. That there is a season of loss, grief, perhaps, loneliness, barrenness, disorientation, Like, that's what they don't tell you. Like, there's there, there can be, at least. Sometimes the change is immediate. But listen, you may be going through some of that stuff. And that, in and of itself, can cause the voices of the past to call to you. So you were so much better off when you were doing this. You were so much better off when you were walking with us. You were so much better off when you were believing the things you were believing before. Well, if you were that much better off, and if it was working that well for you, I'm going to guess you would have never gotten to the place where you said this no longer serves me. So I just want to encourage you. That's that's the point of the message today. I want to encourage you. For some of you to get unstuck, it's time to give yourself permission to let go of what no longer serves you. And if you've already done that and you're in this process of barrenness and dryness and decrease, it's just part of the process. There is a new day coming. There is a new thing coming. There is There are new friendships, new relationships, better things coming your way. I really believe that. Let me just give you one more example just to, to illustrate the point. And this is where I'll close. I want to talk about this relationship. You have the physical relationship, the mental relationship, how this might relate to even leaving home. <laughs> I left home physically. I left the relationship physically, but not mentally. So I grew up in, in a family, and I'm to make this real quick. Thanksgiving, you know, dinners, even Sunday dinners, my mom would bring out fine china and silverware, and um, we would dress up, you know. There were times growing up I remember wearing a suit and tie <laughs> to the Thanksgiving dinner. Um, and you never came to the table with your hair a mess or a ratty shirt. You, you always looked, presented yourself. You had to present yourself a certain way at the dinner table. 
And for those of you that, that don't, do, do or don't know, my, uh, we were all exposed, long story short, we were all exposed to COVID, um, Thanksgiving week. And so we're doing this like social distancing Thanksgiving. It was just weird, right? It was just weird. But we decided to go ahead and have Thanksgiving dinner. We did like this socially distanced Thanksgiving dinner just with my family, just me and my wife and my two boys. And my two boys are sitting there eating their Thanksgiving dinner on TV trays, and both of them are in, like, pajama bottoms with no shirts on. And I had a moment of horror. I was, like, horrified. And I took a picture. (laughs) I took a picture, and I sent it to one of my colleagues at work who's also a a therapist. And uh, my colleague shot back with me, shot, you know, uh, replied to my text and said, that's very cute. And I put in there, I said, my mom would be ashamed. And she said, just remember, you don't live in your mom's house anymore. So something as simple and as goofy as that, right? Like like that value, that norm, violating that norm when every norm we ever knew because of the pandemic and our exposure was being violated. But violating that norm, letting them come to the table with without a shirt on at Thanksgiving, that there was a there was a there was a, a grip of shame and guilt that was still holding on to me that was hidden that was locked right that was hidden and covered and so you notice those triggers inside you and then you can say okay this is okay and i'm going to leave my father and mother's house and it's okay for me to leave my father and mother's house i don't have to feel guilty for leaving my father and mother's house and it's okay to set my own standards in my own home and be adaptable. It's okay to have one, you know, I'm not saying if we did a big, large family dinner like we usually do at Thanksgiving that I want them showing up in their pajamas with no shirt on. But when you think about the craziness, (laughs) it was okay. That's how that stuff gets in us. So I just wanted to give you a simple example. Uh, Hopefully this didn't, like, cut out or mess up too much. Uh, I had a great time doing this. I was encouraging myself. And hopefully encouraging you as well. I look forward to looking at the comments. Um, God bless you. Like I said at the beginning, we are still a ministry. We are still paying bills and stuff. We are in transition. We are uh, moving to a new location. We've got lots of different things that are going on with us. Uh, I did put a link to our uh, ministry website. Uh, if you want to give into the ministry, that would be awesome. Uh, if not, no worries. Uh, I enjoy doing this stuff for you for free and spending time with you. But if you've been blessed by it and you'd like to see us continue to do it and maybe even improve and do more, um, it just, you can do more with more money or whatever. So there's your chance. 